0: Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. Hey, we have a favor to ask before we get started. As always, when you're finished listening, would you go leave us a rating and a review on the podcast platform of your choice? These ratings and reviews help us get better, and they help other listeners like you find us too.
1: Hey, I'm your host, Ben Trueblood, and we are in the studio today, Nathan and Katie joining me. Hello. So it's good to see you guys as always, and so excited about our conversation with Paul Spitka today.
0: Paul is pastor of discipleship and outreach at First Baptist Sepulpa in Oklahoma and is incredibly passionate about building teams to serve the body of Christ. He most recently led Fellowship Bible Church in the formation of a family ministries team where a unified cradle to college team was formed, hired, empowered, and released to do ministry. For more than 30 years, Paul and his wife, Sandy, have ministered to students, young adults, families, and congregations in places like Michigan, Indiana, uh, Northern Michigan, and Tulsa, Oklahoma. Paul, we are super excited to have you on today.
2: It's a pleasure to be here this afternoon.
0: Paul, man, I guess the
1: best place to start uh, is just to say thank you in advance. I know, like, the conversations today is is something I'm really, really looking forward to. When we started planning and your name came up as like, hey, this is a conversation you need to have based around your story and what you've walked through over the last year. Uh, I, I think I can speak for all of us, that it's something we were really excited to hear from you on. Uh, because this is something that is, uh, man, it takes some vulnerability and some courage for you to be able to talk about this, first of all. And yeah. then we know it's something that other youth pastors are walking through maybe even right now, uh, or they will be walking through it. And even if uh, even if job loss is not something that they specifically walk through, the principles mm-hmm. that you have taken away from this time, I think will be applicable to all. So the best place to start is just saying thank you for being willing to, to be on with us today. And then I would love for you to just share your story and how you got to where you are right now. And that way that can kind of set the context uh, for where we're going to jump off from.
2: Yeah, thank you. No, It's an honor to be here on the podcast today. Uh, Yeah, youth ministry journey started in uh, early 1990 in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I was working in a small little church, uh, working with the Iwana program with the Sparks. That's mm. pretty much all they trusted me with, the little kids at the age of 19. and uh, I was a spark uh, at one time. I know, right? Let's sing the song. We're a spark- <laughs> yeah, right? I'll stop. But it, it was just a, a wonderful time that I was working with the children's ministry, loved it. And one of the nights after Awana was over, I was walking in the hallway and I heard this kind of this yelling and a little bit of screaming coming from the labeled youth room. <laughs> and, of course, my snarky comment to myself was, I'm glad I'm not working with them. And so I just kind of heard, listened to the the conversation a little bit the some of the words that were being used and then all of a sudden I realized it was the youth workers that were saying these things and yelling at the kids and they <laughs> stormed out and I stuck my head in the room I'll never forget this as long as I live just have stuck my head in the room and I mean seriously there was a couple kids crying there's a few sleeping there was one kid picking his nose and I just said hey are you guys okay and that I believe was the late mm. fall of 1990 and I walked into that room and just listened to the students And I tell you what, we've literally for 30, over 30 years loved working Mm. with students. And and that started the journey where we've served as uh, Katie said, everywhere from pretty much urban Detroit, Michigan to Northern Michigan where the camo just changes colors (laughs) with the seasons (laughs) to then uh, the rich suburbs of Southern Indiana, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, as well as uh, South Tulsa most recently. Um, so, yeah, it, it has been uh, a wild 30-year, three-decade ride. Uh, but that time that you were talking about this last year was uh, about a year ago at this time. Our church uh, fellowship Bible was just looking at uh, getting our church's budget, our expenses in line with giving. Mm-hmm. And they made a statement to myself and said, hey, we might have to let someone go from your team. And I, being a little prideful, uh, looking back on that, said, hey, if you've gotta take anybody from this team that we just hired, take me. I I was the oldest um, on the team, and I loved the people that I was able to hire, and I knew that the future of the church was, was solid with us as a team. And I had no idea that about five months later, they would take me up on the offer and uh, they had to let a couple of us go and I won the lottery and they were incredibly generous uh, with us on our exit. And it was a good transition and we tried to set them up. They took care of my family and I. Um, so it it has just been a, a wild ride of seven months that we were unemployed. And in all that, God taught us stuff. God took care of us. God proved himself faithful in big ways and small ways, Mm. but some very big ways. And just recently, I have been on the job now for just over 30 days here at First Baptist of Sepulpa. And again, loving every minute of it as we look at our first Easter as a church. So it's been an incredible thing where the Lord has taught us a lot. So
1: I I have a really unspiritual question for you. I'll admit that right out of the gate, (laughs) Uh, because like we're getting ready to talk about how the Lord used that time. So I do, I understand a little bit that this question is super unspiritual, but has there ever been a moment where you look back at that, man, if you're going to take anybody, take me. And you are like, maybe that wasn't, the, <laughs> maybe that
2: wasn't the right advice to give. I still believe it's the right call. Honestly, yeah. if I was in their position, I would have taken me too, mm-hmm. but no, it, no, there are times. There was a couple times that we—I had a meltdown underneath uh, working in a crawl space of a guy's house, and I got trapped for a few moments. And I was like, "All right, Lord, why in the world was I so arrogant to say that?" Seriously, it <laughs> could have taken—and I started listing everybody, and I'm like, "Why me? Why me?" And uh, but again, that was something that even in that moment, uh, the Lord was dealing with my pride mm-hmm. and and saying, "You thought you were all that in a bag of chips, you know, working all your way up to this position." And, uh, yeah, it, um, yeah, God's got a sense of humor just to say, just to say that.
1: Yeah, man, I, um, you talked about being in a crawl space. That is one of the scariest places on earth for me to think about being, that doesn't have anything to do with the podcast today, but you said (laughs) it. And my thought was, I don't want any part of being in a crawl space at all, ever. Agreed. Man, so uh, let's jump into then the things that you that helped get you through this period of time. I, I think you said seven months where mm-hmm. you had been let go from your job. Uh, it, it, you'd been in student ministry thirty years, and here you are now. Man, I don't. I'm not in ministry right now vocationally. What right. are some things that that helped you get through that moment? Because, like I said off the top, I. There are going to be people who are walking through this very same scenario, Mm -hmm. either because of COVID, similar to your situation, right sizing of budgets or, uh, or a myriad of reasons. What helped you walk through it?
2: Yeah. And I think Ben, you, you nailed it right on the head is that it, it doesn't matter just if it's a, a loss of unemployment, it can be a, a season of discouragement. Yeah, uh, I meet with different groups of youth pastors, one on the South side of Tulsa and also one, uh, here in Sepulpa area. And I'm, I mean, people in ministry are just discouraged right now mm. because of COVID and, and all of the pandemic stuff. And, you know, people are excited about Easter and I I'm just praying that Easter goes well, you know, for a lot of these churches because they're depending so much on good attendance return. Well, what happens if that doesn't occur? Yeah, we've got to have a little bit stronger base uh, to 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 rely on more than just our church attendance, our church giving or the size of our ministries. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, there are five things and, and I'll give them to you and then we can unpack them however you want. Um, they all start with D because the word, the letter D, because I just try to make things memorable. <laughs> uh, but the, the first one is the daily investment in our relationship with God, followed by discovering our identity in Christ. Thirdly, the development of an intentional schedule. Fourth, uh, dare to involve others in the process. And then finally, determined to trust God no matter what. Uh, so do you want to go in order? Or how would you like to unpack these?
1: Man, I, yes. I would love to just take them one by one and just get okay. some thoughts that uh, that rose to the surface from you, from what you learned freshly related to this mm-hmm. season. Because, you know, some of the things that you mentioned, uh, daily investment in our relationship with God, like that's one that I think we as pastors— Probably think, oh, yeah, of course. And just kind of have the tendency to move on from that really quickly. Mm -hmm. But you're walking through something and this stuck out to you in a fresh, different way than it had before. And I'd love to kind of hear that about what each one of these like what rose up to the surface as a new, fresh thing for you.
2: Yeah, I think I think the key with the daily investment with God is is just making sure that I don't trade my job, my ministry for who I am in Christ. I'm I'm a child of God first. I get to do uh, vocational ministry second. And when that was removed, the whole child of God thing had to rise to the surface. And, and so, just making sure that I focused on my daily time with Jesus. And so. I got up earlier in the morning. I spent more time in Bible reading, Bible study, started memorizing scripture, which literally had not done regularly since Awana. Mm. Uh, So it'd been a couple of decades on that one, but just making that, making prayer with my wife a priority every morning before we we went our separate ways, before I, I went off to whatever handyman job I had that day trying to make some extra money. Uh, but just focusing on who I am in Christ first and foremost, what I do with that is secondary. Uh, and that was just key. I, I know that there are several uh, U-version Bible plans that literally deal with unemployment. And, and I couldn't believe it that I was like, wow, there are guys both in ministry and in the vocational world that we're dealing with this. And, and so just listening to other people's stories and seeing how God had come through for them encouraged me on a, on a consistent daily basis.
1: Why do you think it is that pastors, I know this is not a pastoral isolated situation, but the, our audience would be would be relating to pastors of some kind. Why do you think it is that pastors deal with this My identity is wrapped up in me being a pastor or me being in ministry versus my identity is in Christ. Something that we preach all the time, right? Mm -hmm.
2: I think probably because so much of our spiritual life is involved, unfortunately, around ministry and around the spiritual lives of others. That uh, a statement was made from a pastor long time ago that just stuck with me. Uh, he's he made the comment, he goes, we need to be full-time followers of Jesus and part-time pastors, mm-hmm. even if we're full-time. And, and that, that whole idea of like, wait a minute, I need to be a follower of Jesus first. And I think we as pastors, we get lost in, well, we call it Super Bowl week. I mean, we're coming up into Easter here. And so... Every church in our little town of Sepulpa has got banners out. People, all the, the church across the street from me right now, they're mowing their lawn. I mean, everybody <laughs> is ready. just making sure everything's so beautiful. Oh, yeah, baby, we got guests coming. You know, we're praying that the community shows up and, and we base it off of that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not what, I mean, that's not even what the Bible teaches. We're called to be faithful, And does that mean four kids, 400 or 40, whatever, just be faithful in the ministry that God's called you, but be faithful as a child of God first and foremost. And and I just think we get lost in that. We don't realize the amazing amount of grace that we find by just being a child of God. We always have to put something else with it. It's the Jesus plus Mm -hmm. something.
1: So you you had this reinvestment in your intentional purposeful time with the Lord every mm-hmm. day. And then I guess what I, what I would say is a rediscovery of that identity piece. Uh, what yeah. stood out to you in that?
2: Yeah, I, I think, I think that the biggest thing was the, the support of my wife, Sandy. She just, you know, she really allowed me to to have a weekend to wallow in self pity. She allowed me to do that. But the, the last time we got fired, which was about 15 years ago, um, it, it was a dark time because so much of, of who I was, was wrapped up in the ministry, was wrapped up in the building program that we were involved in for a new student center. So much of who I was as an individual was wrapped up in the ministry. And in these seven months, I was able to pull back and say, I don't have a ministry to define me anymore. So what will I be defined by? Mm. And, and investing more time with my wife uh, investing more time with my children who four out of my five adult children have moved to this area here in Tulsa. And so being able to spend more time with those, we instituted family dinners every Monday night. We, whoever shows up and there's random people that show up for family dinner, college students that used to live with us, all kinds of stuff. We just know that, Hey, Monday night is, is blocked off and we don't do things on Monday night for ministry. It is just our family. Um, Being able to hang out with my grandkids. I I have five grandkids, four that live in the area. And just being able to to be dad or honey or Papa mm. made such a big difference. All of a sudden I realized, you know what? I don't need a church to be whole. I don't need a church to be defined as my family loves me for who I am. My wife loves me for who I am. Therefore my heavenly father loves me more than all of them combined. Mm. I need to find my love, my identity, my fulfillment in who Jesus made me, not in what I do. Yeah, And, and that was, that was a tough journey. I mean, the whole handyman ministry that that we kind of started just to make ends meet i mean we cleaned out a house we, we called my daughter and i called it the murder house someone had died in it and so we had to clean up a lot of nasty stuff there were vagrants living in there i mean it was it was some sketchy stuff and here i am going you know what i'm a child of god and i can clean this nasty home up with excellence as unto the lord and it's going to be okay
1: mm. Man, so in the middle of of this identity affirmation and this is this is who I am, there's also a, a really practical side to it too that's like, hey, I've got time and I've got a schedule that I need to keep and I've mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to try to look for a new job. And so as, you know, as we prepared for this podcast, you also had mentioned that, man, there having an intentional schedule is something that kept you going and focused when all of a sudden have all this time. What do I do with it? Let's keep moving here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. My wife told me, she goes, you cannot have a several months sabbatical. It's not, that's not the way it works. <laughs> she said it in love. And, and I believe it. And I needed it. Yeah. But the last time that this um, situation happened, I I did not handle it. Well, I, I entered a, a state of, of really severe depression to be real transparent and, and just struggled for three months. Just, well, I had a three month severance package, so I'm just going to sit on my butt for three months and, and just relax. And boy, we, and again, it was a little bit different exit strategy. Fellowship was so generous to, to my family and I um, that literally my wife says, you can have the weekend and then Monday morning you start. And I tell you what I, I'm a creature of habit, so I took one week to figure it out. What did my schedule look like? Um, I got a very large, long honeydew list from my wife. She's like, "Hey, for the last for the last seven years, you haven't done all this stuff. Here you go." And and so, like, every ceiling has been painted in our house. I rebuilt some decks, um, fixed one of her chicken coops. She did that as well. Um, but it it was it was something that. It took me about a week or two to figure it out, but having that block scheduling where I literally blocked out time in my day, and in and, and Kerry Nehoff has some amazing stuff that I kind of used his block calendar as a basis. But all right, so if I'm up at five thirty, from five thirty to six thirty is my daily quiet time. Six thirty to seven, I read I read blogs, books, whatever. Uh, from seven. To 7:30, it's it's all about lesson writing. I'm writing lessons for different ministry organizations, and then starting at 7:30, it was exercise. And so I did exercises, and you know, have a physical training routine kind of. And then by eight o'clock, it was like, all right, shower, shave, and shine, because I was out the door by 8:30, nine o'clock so that I could go on to whether it was work projects or, um, honeydew list or whatever it was. And then I scheduled my lunch break and I scheduled my evening times. And I know it may sound a little OCD, but it really, really helped having those reminders popping up on my calendar. So I just didn't look at a blank week and say, well, I can do whatever Mm. I couldn't do whatever. I had to schedule time. Every day after lunch, I did take a nap. I love my naps, uh, but I'll take a 28 minute nap. And then it was right after nap time. It was, I had to spend an hour to two job searching Monday through Thursday. And, and I just blocked that off and I tracked all of that. Where did I go? What did I do? Uh, partially because I wanted to prove to my wife that I was doing what I had committed to do. But secondly, it really helped me to focus my time. You know, what job sites were I looking at, what things were happening. And so that intentional schedule just really helped me uh, stay focused, uh, stay busy, because usually when you don't you're not busy, you know, you can start drifting and Mm -hmm. thinking and wondering why did God allow this? I was actually pretty busy uh, during at least five of those seven months of unemployment. When the holiday hits, the holidays hit, man, it was really slow, the handyman. So then the home projects kicked in. So just being intentional with our calendar, whether it's, you know, you're just depressed in ministry or whether you're unemployed, having that focused agenda every day really helped me.
1: What's your strategy for being able to take a 28 minute nap and not feel like trash when you wake up?
0: I felt like that question was coming as soon as I heard it. I was like, the nap is going to come up. I I
2: learned that in reading one of my my podcasts. Craig Rochelle talks about this in his leadership podcast of you don't want to sleep longer than 28 minutes because then your body falls into REM sleep and then you've got to be down for like an hour and a half. So I literally have a timer on my phone and on my iPad. Um, I have a sign for my office door. If my if my team knows, I've got my little my window blocked out, and if they can hear the fan running, they know I'm down for 28 minutes, and uh, <laughs> the alarm goes off, and I'm back up and out. But it's amazing. 15 to 28 minutes is a sweet nap time uh, because you know you can re-energize yourself by just taking a very quick, short nap. And again, I'm getting older, so I really. really
1: (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you as a follow up to, like, you were so intentional with the block scheduling during this season. Mike, I mean, the nap question was a real one, but I was (laughs) the the other real question about this was how much of that discipline made its way into your life now as a pastor on staff again? Mm. Have you kept a similar approach to your schedule that's different now than it was perhaps before.
2: Absolutely. The getting up early uh, has been the biggest thing. So scheduling my 5 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. time. Uh, and again, not everyone can do this because of different life stages. We, My wife and I got married young. We had kids, and they're all out of the house, and I'm 50, and I've got grandchildren. So we are in a unique life stage where well, we're not dealing with crying toddlers or anything like that. So we get a good <laughs> night's sleep when we go to bed. Um, but yeah, that has stayed with me. It has really helped me get a jump start on, on the day. I'm, I come to the office uh, you know at 830, 845, and like I've already got two hours of, of, of work accomplished before I show up, which then allows me to be more interruptible uh, for my team where I'm not trying to write lessons or anything like that. That's all happened in the morning or it happens late at night um, after my wife goes to bed. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a habit especially in the morning that has been incredibly beneficial and still though for family times. So Monday night, Friday nights, except this Friday night are always blocked out. Monday nights is family dinner Friday night, we all go to a horse show and my granddaughters and my daughters show horses, man, I'm not scheduling anything on those nights. Of course, good Friday. I'll, I'll, I'll miss for that. But other than that, man, we're, we're always focused on family time. And I think that would be one of the most beneficial things that I liked about this season was that I focus more on my family.
1: Mm. So the next one is really intriguing to me. And that's how you, dared to involve others because I think the natural uh, I'll say for myself, the natural reaction to walking through what you did would have been, I'm not going to tell anybody, I'm just going to figure this out. And because I think for me again, speaking only for me, I think I would wrestle with uh, the fear of that. What's going to happen. I would wrestle with, like the shame or slash embarrassment of, of that season. And so I would Mm -hmm. struggle with involving others. I, I, uh, I think you chose the word dare here significantly. Um, so I'd love to hear you talk about how important involving others and how you knew, man, I've got to talk about this with other people.
2: Yeah. And again, it goes back to all the things I did wrong the last time this happened. So I just shut myself off. I didn't involve people. You know, my wife took the brunt of of my just depressed state and anger at God. And uh, this time I just said, it's got to be different. It it can't be the way it was. I I put too many people through too much pain because of my own selfishness. And and so the daring to involve others, I mean, it started with asking for prayer. Uh, we use the U Version Bible app, the prayer journal. And so I put it out to all my friends on UVersion saying, I've been trying for three months to find a job and it hasn't worked. I've just had my accountability group praying for me. I need all of you to pray for me because I need to find a job or a life or something. I mean, I gotta do something. And and just taking that step and seeing how people responded was was just incredibly humbling. And I said, All right, so a couple people knew that. We were praying family, friends, accountability partners. And then a larger community was, was praying. And then I just started like meeting, God started bringing people in into my life and along my path as I worked or served at their houses. I had to clean up a septic system for some guy. And he's like, why did you pick this for a job? I said, Oh, I did not. <laughs> and I got to, I, I got just to share the fact that man, I used to be a pastor and, and he's like, well, why are you doing this now? I said, because this is what God's called me to for right now, for this season. And, and we use that phrase as a family is this is a season uh, that we pray will not last long. but it, it being able to share that pain with others and and let people know like it's okay, even letting uh, the people that that we still love at our former church, to let them know this is still a good church that you're going to. It's not evil for letting me go. They did what they thought was best. And I believe and support it. And you need to stay there. Uh, having that, that vulnerability and, and just, I guess in a lot of ways, it's just trusting God to say, you've got this God. This isn't about me. It isn't about my comfort. It, it, it's something about your will, your plan for not just my life, but for others involved. Um, and, and just saying, I've got to share this, and so then being transparent with other youth workers in our area here in Tulsa. Um, you know, I, I also do some stuff through Youth Ministry Booster, and, and just listening to those guys and being able to share a little bit of that. And they're like, "How are you staying positive?" And I'm like, "I, I had to focus on the positive. I, I had to force myself to celebrate all the good things that that God was doing, but I had to do that on a larger platform." That's why I started, you know, unemployment day one on my Instagram and I got all the way to day 100. I thought I'd never get here. Mm-hmm. So then I stopped because I didn't want to. it was starting to get depressing for me to say, oh, my word, day 100 of unemployment. So then I just said today. And I've been doing that since uh, of just looking at today and celebrating the positive things that God did. And so just allowing people to see that even in the tough times. God is working in our lives. And if they can see that in me, and if I can be an example that hopefully for them, when they're going through the difficult times, they can look back and say, hey, God took care of Paul. Maybe he'll take care of me because he will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just have to believe that. But it, it is, it's, it's painful um, to be able to be that transparent. And you got to get over yourself to be able to say, I'm not all that in a bag of chips. I don't have it all together. Thankfully, God does. And I'm just going to trust him.
3: Yeah.
1: And you mentioned Youth Ministry Booster. For those that don't know, Youth Ministry Booster is an online community of youth pastors there for collaboration and care uh, for each other and community. And in fact, Paul is is with us today because of his connection with youth ministry. That's how we knew about your story, <laughs> because you dared to involve people in that circle. And when we were saying, hey, this is a conversation we want to have Zach said hey I know the guy uh, and so that's um for those of you that don't know about youth ministry booster that's what Paul referred to mm-hmm. just then the last one is determined to trust in God
2: yeah yeah that probably I I think I put it last because it's probably the one that that it takes the most work for at least for me is you know, doing a schedule dude i can do a calendaring schedule that's that's kind of easy if if i need to you know think about discovering my identity or you know making daily devotions a, a focus that's that's easy but determining to trust in god is is a little bit more difficult my wife and i kind of came up with a couple of statements that god's plan is always best even though it may be painful god's plan is always perfect even though some of the people that you'll work with are not, mm-hmm. and he will provide for you even if it's tough. and And we kind of as a family, uh, just just memorize Philippians four nineteen that that God will supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Um, but you know you have to you have to have that faith that God's going to do what God's going to do in God's timing. At the same time, we also did what we needed to do to prepare for a longer unemployment season. Um, We knew that going into COVID world would be difficult, uh, finding a job, also being old. If I wanted to stay in youth Mm -hmm. ministry, not a whole lot of guys are over 50 in youth ministry, or they grew up in a church and are now 50, not entering at 50. Uh, And so we took you know, we determined to trust God and said, God, we're going to trust that you're going to provide for our needs. However, here's some things we can do. So like we had uh, more cars than we needed. And so we sold two of our cars and, and got rid of those right away. We cut our cable bill because we're like, we don't need cable. Um, we, we needed Internet because I needed job search, but we didn't need cable. Uh, we sold a bunch of our stuff on Facebook marketplace just to make money, just to say, all right, we don't need these things. And I think so often in life, we get our wants confused with our needs. Mm. And then this season really revealed what do we need as as an individual? What do I need as 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 a couple? What do we need? What do we need as a family? And just really focused our our idea of what it really matters. And then that trust in God when we watch God answer prayers in in big ways and in small ways through you know, selling our cars within like 24 hours after they were listed. And, and literally my daughter sold so much stuff on marketplace for us. I, I couldn't believe it, <laughs> uh, but just determining that, that God's plan is best. Mm. It, it's going to be best for me. It's going to be best for my wife, my family, for not only my former church, but whatever ministry God had for us in the future, we know that this season was going to be used for his glory. Mm one of the phrases uh, that we that we kind of really adopted was expectant endurance it's from dr charles stanley and and he talks about where we can expect god to move in a big way but know that we may have to endure some trials before he does and so that idea of expectant endurance it literally along with philippians 419 was really our family's mantra uh, for these past seven months. But we really did. We, as a family, decided to see unemployment as a season that God allows us to walk through for our good, but ultimately for His glory.
1: Paul, I'd love to take just a second and, um, you know, like we've said a couple times throughout, whether someone is dealing with unemployment or just discouragement, these are things that... Are certainly applicable to a season that a person is walking through mm-hmm. uh, imagine that we are in that season, and if you could say something to us uh somebody that's listening to this is in one of those seasons, either unemployment or discouragement from some other from some other factor, what would yeah. you say to them based on what you've walked through
2: yeah i I was really thinking about that of of how does it how does this translate for people that aren't in unemployment. And so when I think of the four seasons that we have, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall, unless you live in certain states where you just have summer <laughs> or winter, like we did in Michigan. <laughs> it was summer and winter. We only had two seasons in Michigan. But, you know, you're in in life we go through these four seasons. And and I know that for a lot of pastors, senior youth, other in our area in Oklahoma, it seems like we've been in a year long winter Mm. where things just look dead. Things feel dead. You don't see hope. You just see just blanket of whiteness. Uh, But knowing that spring is coming and, and growth is going to be happening. And there's going to be uh, that moment where the snow does finally melt and you start seeing the grass again. And, you know, that could be whether people start returning to church or, you know, you get a, another job or companies start opening or restaurants, you know, reopen again, whatever that may be, that we can be in that time where we watch God grow our ministries. We've been in those seasons of, or the season of summer where I really feel that's where we were at our, our previous church before COVID hit. We had hired a team. We were watching, you know, enjoying the fruits of our labor and God's blessing. And we had kind of hit a sweet spot where everything was just rolling along and it was so wonderful. And then the fall showed up where things started, you know, we could see kind of things not dying, but definitely hibernating Mm. And, and just realizing as an individual, as a husband, as a wife, as a family, what season are you in knowing that it is just a season? It's not your identity. It's not your future. It is a season that God is going to bring you through, and something better is on the other side.
1: Paul, we'll end with just saying thank you, uh, as we began. Um, podcast listeners, don't go away just yet. We'll be—we've uh, got a little bit more. But Paul, I just just want to say thank you. I thank you for pouring into us personally. I feel like you've poured into me in, in this moment. Uh, and I know that what you've what you've walked through and what you've said is gonna impact people who who hear this. And so thankful thankful for you, for your faithfulness and being willing to share your story.
2: Well, thank you for the opportunity. And again, it has been such a pleasure to just watch God do cool stuff in our lives, in the pain, in the highs and in the lows. So thank you guys so much for this opportunity.
1: We'll be right back after this short message for some more conversation on this topic. So listeners, hang in there just a minute.
0: In today's episode, you heard Ben mention Youth Ministry Booster, our exclusive community for youth pastors like you. We are excited to start welcoming new members to our community for season three on May 17th. Get plugged into a monthly mastermind group, access webinars from the best and brightest in youth ministry, and find hundreds of training videos and other downloadable resources. Register for Youth Ministry Booster starting May 17th at youthministrybooster.com.
1: We just finished up an incredible conversation with Paul. My initial reaction is just one of thankfulness, but I've said it so many times, I'm just going to move on from that (laughs) because, but it's just like, this is a really vulnerable thing that that he just came on and said, look, this happened to me and here's what I've learned from it. So I I would love to know from you guys what you learned from what he learned from.
0: Well, I mean, just... Uh, right off the bat, I think thankfulness, I I think we're all full of it right now because (laughs) we're in such a season that is difficult. I think for every single person, uh, no matter what you're walking through, even if it's not job loss, um, that it's just really refreshing to hear somebody who um, exudes so much joy and positivity, despite what he's walked through. I think it's so easy for us to slip into discouragement over, things that seem little right now because there are larger things at play. So that, that is just the first initial impression. I mean, just from the moment I sent that email uh, and heard back from Paul, just his willingness and his enthusiasm um, to share what God has done. Uh, It's just, it's a sweet reminder of how God's working in all of our lives, no matter what we're walking through.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like I, I really do love his, his positivity, but I like how he also took and kind of broke that situation down like he even said it like it was a you know a bad situation but he wanted to make the best out of it i love that he said i'm going to we're going to trust god um to walk through this but we're also not just going to sit idly by yeah and i you know i think that's so important that we oftentimes we we can easily just get like okay i'm gonna sit and wait for god to do something when we're called to be faithful and a part of the calling of being faithful that we see all throughout the Bible is action as well, mm-hmm. the, the faith and the works part. And so I love that. And something else that he kind of, he he said real quick, but it really stood out to me was he said by the time he gets to work, he's already been doing a ton of work. And he said it in the context, you know, so that I can encounter those interruptions from my team. And right. then I, I took it like, man, how often do we get interruptions, whether you lead a team or not, but how often do you get interrupted during your day? And that makes you frustrated, but he's built in time. to to handle those interruptions because he's built in, he's scheduled all of that workout so that way, you know, he he can have time for those interruptions and I think that just helps keep you in a better place, your mind focused and those kind of things. So, yeah.
0: I loved, yeah, I really loved how he talked about how intentional he was during that season of time out of ministry or out of just a regular, I'm going to show up and do this work as my job and how that really did um, serve as a season that, had transferable, uh, learnings for the next season, uh, schedule wise too, but just the returns in his family life and all that kind of stuff. And it was just a really good reminder that sometimes when you go through something difficult and you enter a season that has a lot of pain and a lot of heartbreak that like, in the other hand, you can also hold some really, some really good things and recognize that even if they're small, like those, the blessings in those seasons, Mm
1: -hmm. it's really good. Uh, the the action piece of it stood out to me too. Mm -hmm. like, man, we're going to trust God with everything. And we're also going to take steps to know, like to go do that, like Mm -hmm. go get this thing, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether that be a job or an intentional schedule, or we heard him talk about just today. Like he focused on each day Mm -hmm. and what he could do that day. And that's what he could, that's what he could get his mind around. And so I'm thankful for that perspective, uh, personally uh, just the involving others uh, part of it mm-hmm. um so hard but so necessary uh stood out to me and then the short the short piece around making sure that identity is not a wrapped around mm-hmm. what we do uh and I think that's something that for me is a constant it's a constant battle for sure, maybe not every minute of every day, but there are moments for sure where it's like. I need to be Ben, not
3: mm-hmm.
1: Ben who leads Lifeway students. Yeah, Like that's my primary responsibility is, is, is to be me, to have an identity that is not based in a job or a function or a role or anything like that. And yeah. so uh, I appreciate his insight and just a reconnection to
3: or a rediscovery of that true identity. Whenever you meet somebody new, the second question is always. First one's always, "What's your name?" Yeah. Second one is, "What do you do?" Yeah. Our culture defines so much of who you are by what you do, and so I think that's a great, a great you know thing to take a look at and focus on. That you're you're not, you're not what you do. You are who God made you to be. Yeah.
0: I think the biggest takeaway for me is just like, I mean, Paul even acknowledged it too. Like there are some some basic things that can walk us through any season and sometimes we just need to go back to the basics Mm -hmm. we can get so caught up in any circumstance good or bad that we walk away from sort of the foundational things of our faith that that help remind us of who we are this has been another episode of the student ministry podcast by lifeway we will see you next week